this is sort of somewhat hypothetical. I'm, I'm thinking more about things that I've seen and how it's gone wrong. Uh, because obviously my wife is, is above reproach. I just want that on record. <laughs> That'll be the clip that plays before the episode starts, before the music in the intro comes. It'll just be Dr. Howard saying, my wife is above reproach, which is probably as far as she'll listen to in this episode anyway, before she turns it off. Welcome to the Medical Dads Podcast, a parenting podcast by two dads who happen to be medical doctors. I'm one of your co-hosts, Dr. Stuart Harmon, a pediatric emergency room physician and father of four from Ottawa, Ontario. I want to be in the podcast. Daddy, do you know what you're doing? Can I play a game on your computer? Daddy, where's mommy? And I'm your other co-host, Dr. David Shu, a family doctor from Toronto, Ontario. Welcome aboard. All right, Dr. Harmon, we are back for Medical Dads. And in our ongoing search to understand every relationship that a parent has to go through, today we're going to be talking about the big one, the big kahuna, the, big the most complicated relationship of all, your relationship with your in-laws. I don't, I don't know if I would have characterized this one as, as the big kahuna of all the relationships that are the big ones for, for Medical Dad. I, I mean, wife relationship is probably the biggest one or kid relationship from the dad perspective. But... I think the in-law relationship is the one that people will either say, oh, that's the easiest one because I don't care. Uh, or they'll be like, that's the hardest one because they cause me so many problems. Exactly. I, I feel like, okay, maybe it's not the big kahuna, but it's definitely the biggest eye roll relationship. <laughs> when you say the word in-law to any person who's been married, you will get a reaction, yeah. right? Like it's just, and that's just natural. Everyone, everyone's gone through that as a married person. So you guys all know what I'm talking about. All right. Don't be pointing at me, right? We've all been there, but it's a complicated thing. And then we're going to talk about it a bit today. Cause you actually, you rarely hear people really talking about it. Yeah. Right. Like, like we talk, there's parenting books, there's books about how to rear children. There's marriage books, like, you know, 14 conversations to have with your wife before you get married. But there isn't an in-law book, not that I know of, at least. There's even books that talk about how to deal with your demented parent. Like I've been gifted that book before, but I've never been gifted about anything about how to handle my in-laws. You grow up with your own parents, and so uh, you know their quirks. You know their things. You know the things that even annoy you about them, but you also know they're my parents, so I love them unconditionally. At least that's the <laughs> self-actualized adult way of viewing your parent relationships. And in, right. and in the other direction, your parents know you, know all your like quirks and things that like, have driven them crazy from the time you were a toddler. And they, lo they definitely love you unconditionally, you know, unless you have some really <laughs> bad parents there. Uh, and then in come the in-laws, where it's like, well, now you are getting somebody who is your new parent, uh, but you don't have all that uh, inherent unconditional love and, and a lifetime of experience with their quirks, foibles, and, right. and idiosyncrasies that you've come to accept and, 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 and tolerate. So, uh, yes. yeah. I mean, and, yeah. And cue the drama. That's it. <laughs> That's where the drama comes in. But, now, but before we before... jump into that, before we jump into that relationship, may I just mention something brief about one of the other relationships I have that people listening to the podcast or the series might have... Uh, might have uh, <laughs> picked up on that yeah it does come up from time to time and that's my relationship with my vehicle <laughs> yeah come up time to time it was only like two months ago when we almost couldn't record the podcast because your car wouldn't start in the winter time <laughs> almost but we we, we nailed we, we managed to knock that one out well all right yesterday i'm um driving to like i guess a work emergency 
I mean, I work in the emergency department, but then people also know that as, uh, well, I guess listeners may also know that I have a, a non-clinical aspect to my job. Um, and so uh, I'm driving to something that's come up that's like, oh, this is an urgent thing. I'm supposed to be like the guy on the scene going to deal with this. So I'm, I'm driving to this thing and uh, I'm in unfamiliar territory in terms of the place I'm driving to. So I've got like my... Uh, 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 Apple Maps going on my phone, giving me directions, and then uh, I'm on this uh, this thing that's just off the highway, 80 kilometer an hour speed limit road, and the car just stops, it just stalls, just like what's going on here? I'm driving. Where's all my momentum going? The car's car's not moving. <laughs> I turn off the uh, engine, turn it turn it back on again, and similar to the last time when my car decided to do something, every every indicator on the dashboard is is lit up. So when you're trying to figure out, okay, is it the oil? Is it the, uh, is it the like, engine overheating? Is it the whatever? Well, every single thing that could light up lights up. So it's like, that is not, either everything is wrong with the car or nothing's wrong with the car or something in between. I, I, I don't know, but I know it won't drive. Um, luckily, the four-ways still work. So I got the, the four-ways on to indicate that there's a problem with the car. And now I'm like door open, uh, hand on the steering wheel, uh, like walking backwards, trying to reverse my car off of, uh, like off of this 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 uh, this highway, and it is one of these things that uh, you know if you're a religious person, there's that idea of uh, well, two two expressions right that that the Lord never gives you more than you can handle, uh, or that like when the when the when the when God closes a door, He opens a window, or something like that, or when your house is on fire and the door's blocked, then God has a window you can crawl out of, something like that. Right, anyway, that's right. <laughs> in this case, God gave me a very conveniently located cul-de-sac uh, off of what otherwise would be just a like a, 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 a small highway. Um, so yeah, I'm actually able to like start to pull this car off of the of the road. So you were able to replicate the scene in Back to the Future where Marty pushes the car behind the sign and then goes off on his on his adventure. That's what you were able to that, do. Uh, that actually is a very accurate. Uh, description of, of, of what happened in this scenario. Um, uh, the only thing is that what Marty didn't have is Marty didn't have one, then two, then three passerbys who just jumped out of their cars, came over and helped starting to push while Marty, uh, while Marty oh, okay. turned the wheel. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was amazing. Like I was like anyone who's ever had to push a car in neutral knows that it can be done. Right? Like a car is actually designed to be mm -hmm. like a one man job. You could push the car. Um, right. But it's actually hard to turn the wheel when the car, when the engine's not properly engaged. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm managing my own. One guy on the highway sort of slows down and is like, do you need help? And I'm saying like, ah, I think I can do it. And, and the guy's like, all right. And that, that guy drives <laughs> off. But then another guy that's coming from the area where the cul-de-sac is, he sees me and he stops and he, he just chum, comes out and starts pushing. And it's like, that's great. Then another guy comes in and helps as well. And then the spot where they thought was the best place to get the car actually turns out to be a bit of an incline. Uh, so then as they get to that part, like they're just like starting to sweat and I'm like, uh, like, all right, maybe I can come out and push too. And we're, we're close enough that the wheel doesn't need to be like leaned on. Uh, but then a third guy comes along and he starts pushing and then, uh, yeah, three strangers. Wow. Push my this, car thing. this is like a, this is like a complete community bonding activity. Like you're bringing people together through adversity. Yeah. Well, and these are three people who I don't, I don't think they knew each other. Um, Certainly, uh, they didn't know me, and we will never see each other again. There's no opportunity to say like, "Oh, you know what? I'm going to send you a gift" or, or anything like that. These are just three good citizens, and all I can really do is uh, is pay it forward. Right? 
But there's absolutely that's a great story. Long live Canada. That's a great Canada story. Yeah, right. It's like, oh yeah. At the end of the day, you know, under the right circumstances, human beings are actually good, right? They're just good. <laughs> now. Now, speaking of the bad human beings who built your vehicle, can you share with the with the audience once again what brand of vehicle is this? In case people are shopping for a used car, one of these. Well, I, actually, I don't know if I want to tell people because there there is a, a used car in this make and model with the same year's amount of mileage as my car <laughs> that will potentially soon be going up on the market. Oh, okay, okay. Well, let everyone play Russian roulette <laughs> with their vehicle purchase. Fair. Well, uh, so for anybody who lives outside of the Ottawa area. Uh, the Mazda 5 uh, is not... Is an outstanding <laughs> automobile. No, for anyone it's in the Ottawa area, the Mazda 5 is out. Locally, the Mazda 5, so the model that they produce in this city, spectacular wheel, never let you fail. <laughs> On an unrelated note, for anyone living outside of Ottawa, a Mazda 5 has lots of problems with the battery and the engine being extremely unreliable. Well, the last time this happened... It was the coldest day of the winter. And I think you mumbled something about how they eventually figured out that it was too cold to get the car going. So it's like, okay, fine. You can't take the car on a cold day. But yesterday was one of the hottest days of the That's year, right. if I recall. <laughs> That's right. It was the hottest day of the year. Like uh, the, internal, um, the internal thermometer on the, uh, or the, the car dashboard thermometer on the taxi <laughs> that I had to take to get to where I was going <laughs> after I stashed my, my DeLorean. Was uh, was reading 35 degrees, um, and the taxi driver was like, "Can you believe this? My thermometer, my thermometer thinks it's 35 degrees." So I was like, "Is it possible that my car just uh, just overheated?" Uh, but that's weird, like that it would just do that. That's never been a problem before, and I've driven it in hot weather. So I don't know. Could it be that? But yeah, people might have remembered that the story about when the car wouldn't start on that cold day but then i don't know if in the if the next podcast if i told people what happened because all i ended up doing that day was i left the car we reported the pod mm -hmm. the podcast and i dealt with it later right um so all i simply did when i went back that part when i got back the car that time i bought some oil just in case it was the oil um <laughs> and i was gonna maybe even bring like a gas canister just in case it was something like maybe the car was like low on gas and just couldn't cope in that way whatever but when I went back to the parking lot and just turned the engine and started, it just started. Um, mm. Just started, and then I just drove it home, and that seemed to be that. Um, so there was no real problem. It was just too cold. Or so you, it, uh, or so you thought. I mean, I guess the problem was the car just didn't feel like it. <laughs> My car needed a wellness day. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you're a physician. This sounds like one of those cases where you know someone's starting to come down with something the illness is not there all the time yeah. right but there's just sometimes they they're coughing a bit of blood right but then you look again they feel fine <laughs> and now yesterday on the hottest day of the year you know now now they're pooping out a little bit of blood yeah. right probably tomorrow the car will be running fine right and and the guy will be chugging along but you know a few months from now it'll be cancer right yeah. something's about to happen yeah, that's this Yesterday was the blood in the toilet paper moment of this car, uh, and now it needs colonoscopy. <laughs> but uh, For, fortunately, you can sell your car, but you can never sell your anus. <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> not speaking for you personal. You should never experience. sell your anus. <laughs> Let it be said here on the Medical Desk Podcast that Doctor Shoe's anus is not for sale <laughs> ever. That's it. But uh, right. I did go back to the car because uh, I, I did. I stashed it. I went and like dealt dealt with my day. Uh, went went back to the car that uh, that evening and um, 
uh, this time I did. I I I I I I went and got like a, ca- a canister of gasoline to be like, okay, let me optimize the car because it wasn't like. <laughs> Low, low on yeah. gas. But. By optimize your car, your tactic is I'm going to give it some gas. I'm like, who knows? <laughs> There's right? a real mechanic at work here. Like, who knows? It, it might, like, more gas can't hurt, right? Because it wasn't, it was like, it was low when I was driving it. So not lower than I've driven it ever before, but it was low. Um, so I get gas and, uh, and I'm like, also, I'm going to, uh, let me check the oil level and see what's going on. And I'm checking the oil level and it's like, I don't know, by the dipstick has an indicator of where the oil should be. And it's mm. like in between those two layers levels on the dipstick. And the car also, mm. of course, has the ability to have an indicator that will tell me if my oil pressure is low. And that, that's not coming on. But when I am looking at the oil between the two layers of the dipstick, it seems like it's not the usual color that I'm used to seeing on the, on the dipstick when I, when I have the oil. Um, and I've brought my mother with me at this point because I need a ride to get to where my car is. Um, so my mother is, was visiting that last night, visiting because we were having a birthday party for my uh, one of my in-laws, just to tie this all together. But anyway, uh, after the party, we drove to, to, to the car, and she's looking at it, and she's saying, you know, yeah, no, the oil is completely the wrong color for what the oil is supposed to look like. Uh, so in my car, I still had the, the, the canister of oil I had brought with me the last time that I had gone check with the car. So, so we put more oil in it. Uh, and I start it, and then now after I put the oil in, the engine sounds like normal. This is why before what I, color was I put the, the oil? gas in. Was the oil like yeah, really black? Uh, it, it all it, yeah, it was like yeah, it was kind of black and <laughs> like not the same color as the oil that I pu- that I poured into it. Hmm. Um, and I guess it had I don't I guess it's been a while since I've had an oil change. Uh, usually they put a little sticker in your window that tells you when your next one is due, but um, I didn't have that sticker on my window, so maybe I just lost track of time. Doesn't your car have like a maintenance reminder? Like my car and my wife's car always signal us with this like flashing light, like, Oh, you're up for some maintenance and, and then you have a couple of weeks to get it done. Your car doesn't tell no. you this stuff? No, the car doesn't have a, an indicator that tells you oh. like generally that there's time for maintenance. And when we bought it, the dealer said you know, with your previous Mazda, you you know, we told you you have to come and see us every so often. Uh, but this car, you shouldn't have to just do unscheduled, like unplanned maintenance, because uh, uh, indicators will tell you when there's when it's time to do something. Mm. Like, uh, you know, if a light comes on, then you deal with it. And so it's like, okay, well. <laughs> Maybe that's not true. Maybe maybe <laughs> you need to open the car manual. You know when you buy your car, it comes with that thick book that you stick in the oh, glove compartment? Yeah. Those manu- mine's been well read. <laughs> those, Every time I need to figure out what does this like Those mean? manuals have a schedule written in them, right? Like at how many kilometers you need to do what. I feel like I, 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 I have a feeling that you're not following the prescribed <laughs> regimen. I'm just throwing this one out there in defense of Mazda. Before we get sued by the Mazda <laughs> coming for trash talking the car, we may have to put the legal uh, proviso that it is possible that the that the warranty was voided by not following the prescribed uh, care of the uh, of the vehicle. Oh man! But anyways, yeah. that anyway, is a that oh, that is yeah. a fascinating story. I'm good luck shopping for a new car this summer. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't sell the Mazda Five new anymore. You can't buy a, a Mazda Five. So <laughs> so if you want a vintage Mazda Five rare collector's item hit us up on admin at medicaldads.com uh now back to in-laws yeah so you were having an you were having an outing with your bringing your mom with your in-laws having every having everyone together for a birthday party which i find is a great thing that 
the kids always act as this conduit to bring everyone together, right? Like, yeah. like actually, there's this there was this old TV show that I love called Six Feet Under, and yeah. one of the storylines in the show was about how like these two disparate families, very different in every way, ended up becoming long term friends with each other because their children got together, right? And then they ended yeah. up having grandchildren, and and that's the beautiful thing about life and about having kids is that it's not just that your kids bring you and your wife together or <laughs> tear you and your wife apart, but they do yeah. bring these bigger family trees up close to each other right so now we have these trees growing side by side and with all the fun and foibles that that can that can bring right so that's the that's the beauty of life is the chaos that uh, kids unfurl and but one (laughs) of the nice things is it is is causes everyone to get to know each other and it's it's always cool when you have these birthday parties and then the parents and grandparents and everyone is together so were you nervous the first time you met your wife's parents? Absolutely. Part of this is that when you meet them the first time, it comes with a lot of expectation, right? Because everyone's heard all the in-law jokes, right? Like yeah. everyone's like feeling like, oh yeah, you're meeting your 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 girlfriend's father, right? What's that gonna be like, right? You're automatically yeah. under a lot of pressure. Even if they're yeah. like super cool and nice and like friendly, this yeah. thing just comes with a lot of built-in expectation that has nothing to do with the people themselves. It's it's it is sort of the I guess the the stereotype or the comedy trope or the the, the TV thing is that you're you're nervous or scared to 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 meet the uh, in-laws mm-hmm. like uh, they're going to be so hard on you or harsh or whatever. Um, and yet at the same time, then once you're married, then th- that's not the stereotype or the trope or the thing anymore. Then it's like that people like don't like their in-laws or annoyed with their in-laws, fight with their in-laws, but that it's not that sort of thing of like, like scared of your in-laws. But I guess for most people, the idea is if you're, if, if you like this girl, or I guess maybe if this girl likes this guy, um, the assumption is, uh, she's not going to be interested in you if she, if she feels like you're, her, you're not accepted by her family. Um, so Absolutely. I, 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 that, that's the pressure, I guess. That's the fear, right? Well, you always hear about these relationships that, you know, have to go against the parents. Like the parents somehow decide we don't like this guy, so you shouldn't marry him, right? Or we don't like yeah. this girl, you should really avoid her. So everyone's kind of on pins and needles because there's a lot of potential. There's a poten- a lot of potential landmines that you could step on if you're not careful in that situation. Yeah. Well, I mean, I uh, I've always kind of had that philosophy or try try to approach it as you know, if, if, if I'm dating somebody and, and when we're good and we're solid and I, and like this point, and we're at the point where we're meeting, uh, where, where we're meeting each other's parents mm. that I'm already kind of at the point where like, it doesn't really matter. Like I don't have to stress and certainly they don't have to stress because, you know, like, if I like you, then it doesn't really matter if my, <laughs> my parents do like, you don't have to impress my parents. But I, I think I, I, I had that and I had that confidence about that, but probably on a subconscious level, I already knew that, uh, when the relationship was strong and I already liked this person, then it was, it wasn't really going to be an issue that my parents were going to dislike them. You know? Right. Like, that the parents were going to see somebody actually makes me happy and that type of thing. Uh, but that actually, uh, I've, tr- I've actually picked a person who's so unlikable that my parents won't like them. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, but, but there is the potential for these weird interactions to happen. Right. And so I thought it might be useful for us to give people some general, ideas on how to manage their relationship with their in-laws because it sounds like you have a great relationship with your in-laws which is wonderful so th- therefore we need to pay that forward and and 
take some lessons from how you manage this and how I manage it, right? Like how, how do we manage this for the sake of parents around the world? I, I think it, it's, it's helpful to recognize at the beginning that just like how people talk about how there's a honeymoon phase with a, with a, with a married couple or a honeymoon phase with people when they're dating or with anything else that starts off really good at the beginning, mm. uh, there's going to be potentially a honeymoon phase with in-laws in the sense that uh, the person at the beginning is trying to impress these in-laws. Mm. And so they're putting on their best like face and, and all that kind of stuff because they're trying to impress these people. Um, I mean, I guess I'm saying that I didn't go in there specifically trying to impress people, but I mean, you're still doing, even if you're not consciously doing it, you're probably doing it, right? Uh, let alone the scenario where somebody's actually faking who they are because they're trying to impress these in-laws. Well, you're usually, their, you're on your best behavior, right? You were, you're not yeah. in absolute crisis mode at the very least, right? Hopefully yeah. when you first meet your in-laws. But as That's you go it. through life married, at some point, there will be crisis modes, right? Crisis mode yeah. for various reasons. Your in-laws could be in crisis mode. You're being crisis mode. Like these things happen. That's part of being a family. And so you yeah. will start to see people at less than their best. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, yeah, exactly. Once you, once you, once you become family, that's the nature of family is that people start to see the, that side of you that that's not public facing. Mm. Um, and so then that's when you, that's when the real test of the relationship with the in-laws comes. That's when they, that's when you have to remember that, yeah, these people also, you you sold them a certain thing at the beginning. So naturally, uh, if you're not honoring that when, once you're in the family, then uh, that's hard for them. Now, so that's, I, that's probably one step right at the very beginning to keep in mind. I think a big thing that people have is they get into this thing where they're like, you know what, my, my relationship with my parents is great, but I just can't interact with my in-laws. But what, what yeah. usually happens in those situations is the person stating this has not really looked closely in the mirror objectively at his own relationship with his parents, right? Yeah. And has this inflated idea of how, how happy him, he is with mom and dad, right? Yeah. When in fact, your relationship with your own parents is actually fraught with a lot of nonsense, right? Yeah. Like, you know when you pick up the phone and you talk to your mom and dad, a lot of us just have this voice that we reserve for nobody else in the world except our mom and dad, right? Like, let's say, yeah. like, you're in the middle of, like, playing a video game, right? Yeah. And your mom calls you, and you're just in the middle... Mom, I'm in a really important thing right now. Can you please not call me about YouTube? Like at this, like I'll fix your email later, right? Like there's this voice that you don't talk like that with your wife. You don't talk like that with your kids. It only comes out when mom has a computer problem, right? I mean, I don't know if that's universal, but clearly you do. It is universal, right? And if you haven't heard it, it's because you're not objectively looking at it. <laughs> that's right. That's a, we should be asking my mom about the voice I have. Right? And th but, then you've, but then when people are like, oh, how's your relationship with your parents? It's like, oh, it's great, right? Because we're used to treating each other like garbage and we just keep moving forward, right? That's a typical <laughs> way that we grow up with our parents, right? Our parents yeah. tell us to do something, we don't do it, right? Our yeah. parents tell I mean, us we again. We talked about this with the sibling relationship episode. This sort of the built-in thing with the people that you're that close with um, that you can sort of get away with a lot more because there's an automatic forgiveness. Uh, exactly. You know, built in. Exactly. But now you got your in-laws where at the beginning you're like really careful. You don't want to step on anything, but eventually you start to like, you start to default closer to this actual real behavior and then yeah. everyone's all up in arms. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because they don't have the built-in time period to, you know, to really understand why each of us is acting this way. <laughs> That's right. 
you got to bear in mind, it's actually very hard to live with people in general, right? Uh, anyone who's had roommates or that type of stuff, it's not just a guarantee that you throw people together into a living space, especially when it's like a true like 24-hour right. living right. space, right? Um, and as you get older, it gets worse. Right? By the time you're like a fully actualized adult, um, you've, you've got your apartment, your daily routine, all that stuff in a certain way. So finding someone you can get married to uh, who you can live with is already a challenge. That's why you don't just marry any random person who walks along. Right? Uh, that's a challenge. So the idea that um, you would do all this work, find the right person, but then their parents can get into your personal space in a way that nobody else can other than maybe your parents, and that it's going to be just easy and fine. Uh, that, oh, yeah, that's fine. Anybody can come to space. Well, that's a very unrealistic. Wait, thing. wait a minute. We were that. just talking about interacting with our in-laws. Who said anything about everyone moving together? <laughs> we should just jump like I'm... five steps in the process. <laughs> but there's a difference between if you invite somebody over for dinner mm-hmm. um, versus if your in-laws come over for dinner. Mm. Um, and I mean, if you only see your in-laws like once every like couple of years, then every time they come, you do t- treat them like any other guest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in a more normal or more typical in-law relationship, uh, they come over and it and it's not the type of thing where you uh, have to offer them a drink or they won't go and get one, <laughs> and that you have to you know do these things. They'll they'll start to do things. They know where which drawer the cutlery's in. They know where to get the glass. They do all these things, right. uh, and that can start to become a problem for you if you're like you know not. Uh, uh, used to the idea that like, wait, so somebody's just going to go into my linen closet. Maybe I don't want you going. Wait, to wait. Maybe I don't want you to fold the linen and put it back Even in that Even them shelf. getting a glass could be an issue. Like that sounds a little much, right? I feel like, no, no, no. I feel like, you know, should I'm be allowed to pour the themselves a drink. A glass. <laughs> It's not that it's not that the problem is that in-laws like to hydrate, and, and that's an issue. But some people are like, no, I only like dehydrated people in my house. Uh, but it's like, uh, if uh, uh, getting a drink of water is just an example of, of a million things that you do in your own house without thinking twice about how you do it and where you do it, and mm. and you know, I may in my own house, I may have the routine. I get a glass of water. I go to the fridge. I, I drink the water from the fridge. When I'm done with that glass, or when I'm drinking that glass, I I don't take it into the living room because that's my nice room and I don't want anything on that table. But I drink it in the family room and in that room, I have a little table that this part of the table, you can put stuff on. It doesn't matter. It's got stains. Uh, but if you're going to use the side table, then I put a coaster on there. And then when I'm done with that glass, I always wash it and put it back in the cupboard or I always put it in the dishwasher. Uh, but then somebody else's routine in their house is, oh, well, when I get a glass of, of water, like I drink it and I'll put it down wherever. And if it's uh, if I don't finish it, I'll leave it there for a couple hours. I'll drink it later. Right? <laughs> These are little foibles that like different people have different things. And yet that can irritate you when somebody does it. And if a guest came and did it, it's like, well, whatever, I'll clean it up the next day the way I like it. But when it's somebody who's coming, who's like going to be coming frequently, um, you know, even them unpacking your dishwasher and putting things in the wrong place. Like, I might be the type of person that that rolls off my back. I don't care. But somebody else might be neurotic about how you uh, put the well, dishes that, away. Well, that is true. I, I, I was going to make a joke about how, like, never go to Dr. Harmon's house and hydrate or touch anything. <laughs> but it is true. Like, it's, some of us just have these little quirks. Like, you know, we want certain things done a certain way. We want to wash our dishes in a certain way. And then someone else has another way. And there's and one way might be better than the other way. And who knows which yeah. way is better. But but yeah. these are all things that can start to grate on people when yeah. there are too many cooks in the kitchen. 
An example, another example might be something along the lines of, and this I'm just pulling this out of the air. It's not from my house, but let's say every Friday you like to watch a certain TV show, right? Let's say every Friday at, at six, you, you, you watch uh, <laughs> the news. Top Chef or something. Like that. What's that? At the news. That's what's on yeah. at six o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's say you stream something every day. Um, uh, and, and even say you, your wife also has gotten into that habit that like, yeah, you know what? This is kind of a thing we do together. We watch the show every day at, at this time. Um, uh, if you had company coming over, let's say you had a friend who's out of town, uh, you wouldn't think twice about being like, okay, well, they're coming this day. I'm not going to tell them rearrange your trip because I'm watching a TV show at this time. Um, and if they come to your house, you're probably not having the TV on at all, right? You're probably like, well, you didn't come here for me to watch this show. So you're doing whatever. Um, but if, uh, uh, if it's somebody who's like a family member who's coming over uh, and they say, you know, no, I'm coming over on this time and they come over, you're not treating them the same way you might treat a guest, right? Um, so you might be like, well, I don't want you to come at this time. And like, well, why not? <laughs> because you want to watch a TV show, right? Uh, or even worse, so they come over and they might sort of be like, oh, it's five o'clock and uh, it's six o'clock and I'm going to turn on Wheel of Fortune or whatever I like to watch. <laughs> and you're like, well, like, I want to watch my show. And do you have the skills? Do you have the, the mindset? Do you have the relationship to be able to have that type of stuff roll off your back is like, it's not a big deal. Or are you going to get like annoyed or are you going to like treat them the same way you treat your sibling? If your sibling did that, you'd be like, no, we're watching my, my house, my rules. <laughs> are you going to do that with in-laws who don't have the automatic forgiveness built in that you become accustomed to for your, well, uh, that is the thing you, you need to treat your in-laws better than you treat your own parents in some ways, right? Because in, some ways. in this example that you gave, if you were a swinging bachelor hanging out at your apartment, your mom comes over and starts rearranging your linens and washing yeah. your dishes, you're not saying yeah. a word about it. You're just like, you, you're not even saying thanks. You just go on watching your TV show, right? That's a typical <laughs> guy, right? Now, you're, now, same deal. Like, you're, you're swinging bachelor. You're about to watch your favorite TV show. Your mom comes by. You just keep watching your show, right? That's just how, that's how it's going to go. You're not going to rearrange your life. Now, your in-laws come by. You might not want to be sitting there watching the show endlessly at that point, yeah. right? And yeah. so I feel like there, there is a different standard. You should actually be a little bit more aware that you have an important guest in your house, right? Yeah. But the problem is there's this tendency to start to treat them for real like your parents, right? <laughs> and, and for them to treat you the way they treat their kid, right? And yes. that's somehow where this starts to deteriorate. I feel like we, we actually should hold ourselves to a slightly different standard, a higher, yeah. more politically correct, more etiquette-laden standard when we're dealing with our in-laws, right? We, yeah. we gotta put that, that voice away, the voice yeah. that we use with our mom and dad. That's good. That's, so that's a clear tip. That's a clear, I'm, I'm signposting this piece of advice that you, so, so listeners know, we just gave you some, some, that was a piece of advice. Use that. Here's another one. Okay. Here's the next one. I think this one is important. Treat your spouse well and make sure that your, that your in-laws are seeing that you treat your spouse well. Right? And that, that's the most, that's a fundamental foundation True. of having a good relationship with your in-laws. True. If you have so, a great relationship with your wife, yeah. then no one's going to care if you're watching your favorite TV show or whatever, right? You get yeah. a lot more slack, right? If yeah. your relationship at its heart is starting to fall apart, the in-laws yeah. will not be far behind, right? And guess <laughs> whose side they're going to be on? It's not your side. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. The, uh, 
there, there, there are examples out there of parents saying, you know, I don't really like my son-in-law. He's an idiot or he's a whatever. But he really does yeah. make my daughter happy. Or he really does treat my daughter well. Right. And it's like so much is forgiven. Right. Uh, whereas you could be Mr. Awesome. Um, but if they see that you're treating their, their child poorly, then the first thing I think is, oh, that guy is so charming. But behind it all, he, you know, right. uh, they're going to hate you. Right. Um, another piece of advice that I'll signpost is that for in a relationship in general to keep them healthy is uh, be careful about uh, how you portray your partner to your parents. Mm. Um, because it's easy to uh, to be talking about something or the other and not realize that, uh, oh, yeah, you know what? For someone who doesn't know the person the way I'm talking about, the way I'm talking about them, uh, and hearing that story, they might actually think that that person is doing something wrong. They might actually start to, to feel like, oh, yeah, no, she shouldn't do that. Like if you p- – people sometimes complain. I always tell people not to complain about their spouse at all. <laughs> like um, – <laughs> You know, like to be saying to your friends, oh, my wife does this, my wife does that. It's like, you should deal with those problems instead of complaining them. <laughs> I mean, little things is you know, one thing, but like if you don't check yourself, you can make a problem. But more than anything else, if you're doing that with your parents, right? Right. If you're complaining to your parents, then, then either there's a serious problem that needs to be dealt with or just re- recognize that you're going to turn your parents against your spouse. What, what you're basically saying is what I've, what I've always felt is that when it comes to dealing with your in-laws and your parents as a married person, to mm-hmm. some degree, you are now in the business of public relations. You're the public relations yeah. manager for your marriage to the outside yeah. world. And by outside world, I mean your parents and in-laws, right? And yeah. some of us are really good at managing public relations on social media, right? They, they, they let the whole world know that their marriage is great when really it's yeah. not. But they don't yeah. know how to manage it with their parents and their in-laws. Like you really have to, to navigate this somewhat, right? And yeah. you can't just be blathering about everything, you know, to everyone all the time the way you were when you were in college, when you were Mr. Loose Lips. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean... If you are actually having a problem in your relationship and you need help, then of course your parents are there for a support. I'm not by any means suggesting that somebody should be like taking abuse from their partner and, and, and hiding it from their parents. But uh, I mean, this is sort of somewhat hypothetical. I'm, I'm thinking more about things that I've seen and how it's gone wrong uh, because obviously my wife is, is above reproach. I just want that <laughs> on record. <laughs> That'll obviously. be the clip that plays before the episode starts, before the music in the intro comes. It'll just be Dr. Hart saying, my wife is above reproach, which is probably as far as she'll listen to in this episode anyway before she turns it off. But, uh, you know, it can happen where somebody is just having a day and, and wants to vent about anyone who's driving them crazy. And that could happen to somebody where they're venting about their, their spouse. Uh, and by the next day, they've forgotten about it. Like, right. They said all this stuff. They didn't really mean it, right? <laughs> that, I guess that's the point is that people say these things and they don't mean them. And then, uh, and then they've forgotten about it. But if you go into your parents and saying all this stuff, um, or maybe more importantly, if, uh, if you're going to your parents and saying all that stuff about me, then uh, later when uh, it's uh, like forgotten, those parents are still remembering that. Mm. Um, and they're going to get over it, right? Like, when you're married to somebody, it kind of is inherent that you forgive them, right? That's part of usually the wedding advice that you get from the <laughs> minister or whatever at a church, uh, open heart and forgiveness. But there's no rule that says your in-laws have to forgive you, right? Ha- um, having said all this, I feel like a lot of yeah. this type of advice is only useful at the early part of marriage. You know, the first five years, 
right? Where you're married, when you're managing public relations, you're careful of what you say, not to say. I feel like when you get into the middle innings, you know, and you've been married like a decade or more at this yeah. point, unless your in-laws and your parents live super far away, you guys yeah. have been to birthday parties together. You've attended Thanksgivings together. You see each other on a regular basis. You sometimes wash each other's dishes and, and put the yeah. linens away. Like you, in the middle innings, it is a bit different, right? Because you already yeah. know enough about the person at that point. So I feel like at some point you move away from public relations and you move to actually having a normal kind of relationship. It's not exactly like your parents, but you yeah. know them pretty well. They know you kind of well. They know, you know, you treat your kids okay. You treat your, you treat their kid okay. Like it, like it's a, it's a little different. And, and we see, and we've seen each other at our worst, but we've also yeah. seen each other in normal situations and it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we really are talking about building a good relationship with your, with your in-laws. It's not that once you've done that, it takes a whole lot of work to maintain a good relationship with your in-laws. Mm. Plus, the, the, the more you the, the more you know them and, and the longer they you have that relationship, then the more actually they do become uh, like family to you as well. You, you know, yeah, you start to forgive a lot because you care about. Them. Right. In general, in general, the thing about human beings is we need to have more time spent together to understand each other. Right. The, the yeah. whole idea of it is that if we never talk to somebody, then they're siloed off. It's easy to dehumanize somebody. I mean, that's the whole problem with the universe, right? All these world yeah. problems we have and racism and blah, blah, blah is all from this, right? And it's the same yeah. thing. Over time, as you get to know people better, we realize we're all human. There's very few of us that are pure evil, right? Yeah. And we're all struggling to make our way through life. You know, we're no different. Our in-laws are no different. And these complicated relations at the beginning eventually settle into human beings. We're just humans. Yeah. Certainly, I wouldn't want listeners to think that we're being trite since we didn't really address the issue of what do you do if you have problem in-laws, right? Like, <laughs> what do you do if your in-laws are actually, like, doing something that's making the relationship very, very difficult or very challenging? Um, we, but I thought we did. I thought we addressed that in a tangential uh, well, way because it has to be dealt yeah. with indirectly, right? That's the <laughs> yeah. whole point of it. <laughs> Let, let's talk yeah. about this for a little bit. Okay. So what do you, First of all, what, what might be an example of what we're talking about when we say like problem in-laws? Let's like just that. say that you don't get along with your in-laws at all, right? And there are, I've seen this in my patients a lot, right? Like, yeah. you know, my in-laws are coming to visit from overseas and, you know, I'm, I'm bracing myself for three months of hell, right? Like yeah. you hear about this kind of stuff sometimes from patients. And, yeah. and what is the issue going on here? Like, who's at fault? This stuff is not even that important. It's more just that we're going to put these people in a room together and yeah. there's going to be some conflict well, how do we help these people deal with this yeah because i'm thinking of the scenario of what do you do with the in-laws who they don't like you um for whatever reason they start out they don't like you um uh they do all these things that annoy you that you're trying to bite your tongue about and now they're actively undermining you where now you've got your spouse uh who's getting a constant stream of like negative advice and negative like uh like stuff coming from their mother, from their parent to them about you. So th uh, that, 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 that starts to get toxic. That starts to get challenging. So right? first thing, first rule of life is that you cannot control whether somebody likes you or not. Right. That seems to be yeah. a very basic premise that that's like dating 101, right? We take it back to <laughs> basics for people, right? If someone doesn't like you, you doesn't matter how much money you spend on them or how you try to force it. Right. It's, they're just yeah. not going to like you. 
right? Yeah. Now, over time, that may change, but we don't really recommend you change your behavior to deliberately make them like you. That's not, doesn't seem right either. Yeah. Right. So that we operating from that principle, you cannot change them. So now all you can do is try to manage the relationship within the confines that you can't control how they're going to feel about you. Given yeah. that, I feel like we should just take it back to your basic premise, which is that you and your partner, you and your wife or you and your husband need to make sure your relationship is really solid. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think you're right. I think that advice and that idea that we that we kind of said before that treat your in-laws uh, like like family because mm. right? a lot of the relationships we're talking on the show in the series are about family relationships that have that idea of uh, a friend who's doing stuff that I can push you past a certain point you can write off you can disconnect when you say get rid of them mm -hmm. but with family you always gotta at the end of the day be like well okay yes all these things but you know they're family mm -hmm. uh, exactly so you always gotta go back to that I gotta forgive them or I gotta keep trying or I gotta still love them because they're family if you can view your in-laws as look their family and remember how important they are to your spouse and to all the other people you care about like your like your children who you want them to have good relationship with their grandparents all that type of stuff if you remember their family then that'll make it easier to weather those those storms right right i think i think the the trap is that sometimes we feel like that that well I, they're not my birth parents they're kind of like an optional appendage to yeah. the relationship. So maybe I don't have to treat them the same and, and they, they need to treat me better or else I won't treat them well. Like that's all, that's all nonsense, right? Yeah. You have to treat them like family. And when we break out the F word, the family word, then, yeah. you know, stuff happens. It's messy, right? <laughs> and then you, and then you got to move on that, that I, I feel like our expectations need to be in line with our own parents. Honestly, yeah. most of us have had these rows with our parents many times over the years, right? That's yeah. that's growing up. That's life. We don't have as many of those rows with our in-laws because when it happens, it's it's like a it's like a shocking moment, right? Like right. now, what do we do? How are we going to look each other in the eye again? Listen, you you looked your mom in the eye after whatever it was you did that pissed yeah. her off. You looked your dad in the eye after whatever he did that pissed you off. Like you'll get over yeah. it. You'll all get over it. Yeah. That's uh, the, the theme that people might see emerging here is this idea that unlike other relationships where a lot of it is just about you and that other person, mm. uh, what makes the in-law relationship so important is that it affects the wife relationship and, and, and all these other people that are around you. Mm -hmm. so, so you've got extra motivation to, to keep that relationship strong. But yeah, I, I think you know, in summary, if you focus on making sure that you do have a great relationship with your wife and you you show her that attitude that look I still treat your in your your parents as their family I treat them like family <laughs> and so look at the end of the day they're family if if, the, if you do those two things then your wife relationship or your spouse relationship will stay strong um, and you'll you'll be you'll be as happy as can be all right before we move on I have a cultural question for you okay. what do you call your in laws like do you address them as mom and dad or do you call them by their name? like their first name, like how, what, how do yeah. you address them? You know, like, so uh, I do think culturally that is normal to do that, like in Western culture to call them mom and dad, but I, I, I but not everybody does. And uh, so I'd, I'd call them uh, by their first names. Okay. All right. Just curious. Cause it's always, I've always, I feel like that is a bit of a cultural thing that in, in North America, people speaking English often use their first names. I've always yeah. found that a little bit jarring, Yeah. but to each their own. The real question is, 
when the time comes for you, what will you have uh, your like uh, children-in-law call you? <laughs> first of all, my children-in-law. First of all, my grand. Are you talking about children-in-law or my grandchildren? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm talking about whoever your kids marry. Okay. Right? Those will be your like your son-in-law, your daughter-in-law. Okay, so specifically, I'm going to request that they call me dad at that point. <laughs> Period. Oh, really? <laughs> oh. I, I was thinking more along the lines of Doctor Shu. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, if they were my patient, they shouldn't be my patient. <laughs> <laughs> I I do have this issue with with uh, some. I've had med students who like when they're my med student, they call me Dr. Shu. Like, Dr. Shu, can you help me with this, right? Then they kind of yeah. graduate, and now they're also a staff doctor now. Then yeah. they started calling me Dave. And I always find that kind of weird that there's this transition, right? That I used to be Dr. Shu to you, but now I'm David. Like, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of that. Uh, you, you prefer that they keep calling you Dr. Shu? Yeah, I do kind of prefer it. And I, I actually, with 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 uh i i I am one of these slow adopters like i sometimes even when i meet like my mentors from years ago i'll still call them doctor so-and-so right and they're like no no don't call me this anymore they they, we we should be peers but i always have trouble with that and i i have trouble with it going the other way also (laughs) well in pediatrics we tend to be much more loose about this type of thing and Mm. a lot of people like you know just when the residents come it's like call me by my first name but uh i do like i i do recognize that it is a, a like a sign of respect to call somebody like doctor something so um uh it's if you're addressing someone in a in, in um email or, or something kind of formal then there is a certain politeness to calling them doctor whatever but but yeah i it is it, we, we kind of sidestep that whole issue in a lot of ways of 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 that transition to calling me by my first name by by often letting people do that right from the beginning mm. uh, and not not every not every pediatrician feels the same about this like some people depending on what the role is will want to be called doctor or whatever but we're pretty fast and loose about it what i just find surprising is that uh when they first meet me how quickly they start calling me Stu or stewie <laughs> and it's like um i don't i don't remember us having that conversation but <laughs> anyway I just think it's one of those names. It's like the name David. If your name is David, people will call you Dave, whether you ever tell them that that's what you'd like to be called or not. <laughs> uh, well, on that note, what do your in-laws call you? They call you Stewie also? Uh, they call me They call me Stuart, I think. <laughs> um, maybe, yeah, <laughs> they call me Stuart. And I think just older people tend to be less likely to shorten Stuart to Stu. Right. Older people are more likely to call you Stuart. <laughs> Um, but they, they they don't call me son. They don't sort of say, hey, pass that over here, son. <laughs> but I guess part of the reason for that is this whole transitional thing. Because when you meet them, you don't call them dad the first time you meet them. <laughs> That's right. rather presumptuous. Right. Uh, so you get used to calling them by their name. And so then uh, uh, you'd have to actually make that conscious switch over to call them dad afterwards. Plus, it can be a bit confusing sometimes if you call your mom mom and then you call your in-law mom. When you're talking about mom and dad, it gets confusing a bit about, uh, oh, about what you do it. Yeah, and when you have when you have your own children and you're like, okay, mom, and you're, you're like, they, you don't know if you're calling your wife, you don't know if you're calling your mom or your mother-in-law. There's three people that could be addressed with this name in the house now. Do you remember the episode of uh, of Cosby Show, the Cosby Show, uh, where uh, uh, I remember every episode. So which one are you getting at? <laughs> the scene where Cl- uh, Claire is saying to Cliff. That you know, like they—they're feeling guilty about something they had done and lied to their parents about. So she insists that Cliff tell his mother the truth yes. about 
what they did. So he calls and he's like, "Hi, mom. I look. I was talking to Claire, yes. and uh, they went I on a picnic. About that time. They went on a picnic. Yeah, <laughs> the time I said we went on a picnic. Actually, what happened is we drove past the picnic and we went to the beach and we, uh, you know, we fooled around. Or I'm paraphrasing something along those lines. Um, and I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, no, all right, okay, thanks, mom." Then he takes the phone and pass to Claire and says, uh, "Your mother wants to talk to you." <laughs> That for that reason alone, I think people should call their in-laws by their first name so that that joke will still stand up over time. <laughs> the medical dads. All right, we will see you all in a week or two. All right, see you in a week, folks.